2018 to 2020, we were reaching over a million people per month averaging. I know that in 2019, the data said that we reached about 35 million people, which is like absurd, right? And we had no idea that we were doing that. I got James Corbett here. Uh, James, you have a couple things going on. So you have Project Refit, which is a nonprofit, uh, primarily uh, helping uh, veterans, uh, first responders, police officers, firefighters, folks who uh, see trauma in their line of work on a daily basis and uh, you know need need help and assistance recovering from that trauma, dealing with PTSD and uh, you know all the other stuff that comes out of doing that that line of work. Uh, also, Impact is your other company, which is a for-profit software company, which uh, yes. you sell into police off uh, police uh, stations or uh, police operations and law enforcement uh, communications tools. It's got some really interesting ML AI stuff that you're working on that I want to get into. Uh, did I miss anything on that introduction? No, that's pretty much you crushed it, man. Cool. All right, good. Um, so let's launch in. Uh, I love both of the things you're doing. Uh, let's start with impact. You, you want to kind of talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, how you got inspired to do it, uh, you know, where the thought process for it came from and, you know, some of the ways that you're innovating uh, beyond uh, the tools that the law enforcement currently has today. Yes, absolutely. So uh, impact really its roots start uh, back when I was at Columbia uh, and I was on the negotiation. Uh, I, I'm sorry. And I was studying negotiation conflict resolution when I was at Columbia and I was on the local domestic violence response team in my area. Uh, and they had very poor communication with me, which kind of um, and by the way, that's not like a, a bad thing against them or anything like that. It's just like the way it is. Um, and I got really curious. And but that was um, the police officers you're saying had the. Correct. Yep. Yep. Great clarification. Yeah. So it was the police officers. They had poor communication with the team. And, you know, it, it's it's because it's inherently there's nothing great that they can use right now to easily get information out to their partners and each other. I learned after I got curious and started asking questions. Um, and I, and when I ask questions, I'm usually asking from a place of like pure curiosity. So I was able to, and I, and I listened really intently. So I was able to get some really great feedback from uh, police officers and even some of the guys that are some of my closest friends who are officers as well. Um, and, you know, when I asked them things, they give it to me really honest and straight. So I was able to get some really cool feedback from that. And it's really just from listening deeply. So. Yeah. One of the things uh, you told me, I, I told you the story before, uh, one of the things that you told me is that, you know, like law enforcement, they, they have their radios, obviously, but uh, I think the radios aren't necessarily super secure. People can listen in. Uh, so they're using like phone calls. They're using WhatsApp. They're texting each other. Yeah. Like they're doing all this crazy stuff. You'd think they have better communication tools. But uh, I, I saw you told me the stories and I've, ne I've never seen it. And then one day I was at that cigar lounge we hang out at on 13th Street. It was the one day you weren't with me. Uh, go yeah, figure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's like police driving up and down the street with their lights on. A police officer runs in the cigar lounge. He's like, hey, did a guy wearing a white, sh white shirt run in here? And we're like, no, yeah. we didn't see any guy in a white shirt. He's like, oh, shit, I lost him. And then he pulls out his phone and like <laughs> call like literally his cell phone and calls the other officers. And 
you know, he's talking on his cell phone. And that was when I saw it firsthand what you're talking about. Yep. Yep. Huge opportunity sitting right there. Um, and actually they do have some, some departments do have like encrypted radio waves now, like where, you know, they have their own channels and stuff like that. But here's actually what the main problem with that. Um, there's so many different like radio channels that they try to get into, um, that it gets confusing to click through or find they have like, they basically have smartphones as radios now. It's crazy. Like they have screens on them and shit. Oh, wow. But the thing, the thing that's uh, still a huge problem is they're clunky. Uh, they are hard to, um, you know, go through all those channels in a quick manner. And also they're congested. Um, and those new radios are really for larger departments that can afford it, that have the uh, the budget for them. Um, but there's also, there's probably grants and stuff like that out there, but I'm not going to get into that. Bottom line is there have they have outdated communications. Like I, I give you a perfect example, actually, uh, from this past week, I had a police department. Um, it's actually one of the largest sheriff's departments in, in the country. I was talking to them uh, and we made some progress since this is about like business and like startups, things like that. You know, good news to report that we're getting to the next meeting, which is a really big deal, by the way, in the government space. If you get them to say, let's have a follow-up meeting about this. This is really great. That's good stuff. Um, so the team's excited. And basically one of the things that they shared was, uh, let's say that there's an officer-involved shooting, right? So if there's an officer-involved shooting, the, the guy that I was speaking with, he has 11 phone calls, text messages, and emails that he must send immediately right like and, one by uh, one manually you got it and why the hell are we still doing that right there's got to be a better way a better tool when i told him about our platform and how they can use it and the encryptions and everything that behind it and kind of the strategies that we go into which i think is something you'd be interested in, in talking about uh, if i'm going to drop that right there like the encryptions in the back and how we're handling things and what our vision is um so we'll we'll talk a little bit. I I don't know. Anyway, so um, he said, with your product, I have to go to one spot and I can do it in like one to two minutes. And I was like, that's exactly right. So you, you just have like one a like a way to just you know when certain types of calls come in, you can just kind of like, oh, this is the officer involved shooting call. So we just hit that button, boom, it does what it needs to do. Yes. Now I can go actually like help the officer that's the right people will be in there and they will be a part of that contact uh, room, that information, all of that immediately. Such a novel feature. Who would have, uh, who would have thought of making, you know, in a distressed situation like that, who would have thought of making uh, the first responders yeah. lives easier? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like in, in, in when time literally in matters most, right. I mean, like people talk about football and baseball and all these sports is it's a game of inches. Well, uh, what's a game of time life. So why are we not trying to help them go out there and save a person's life faster, uh, and making their communication better and actually even more secure, because if you're, if you think about it, like these guys don't have really, um, safe forms of communication and distribution of their information. So at the end of the day, what we're actually, what impact is trying to do is perfect uh, the information sharing space, not record management systems, not saving the the content or uh, keeping the content. I actually just want to distribute the content faster. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so I, th there's a lot of awesome stuff there. Like we're getting into like the workflows and just sort of 
becoming, you know, embedded into the process, you know, not, not adding steps, but reducing steps for the officers being embedded into their yes. process and their workflows. Uh, how are you guys? I, I'm really interested uh, in the AI ML space. I've been diving into GPT three and Codex and Dolly's cool. I, I, you know, yeah, I saw world, that. But uh, how are you guys <laughs> using ML and AI in your platform? So we're actually starting out, I think, in a really, I think, what is a smarter way. Uh, we're going to be leveraging some other tools um, in the beginning. And then we do have a vision for the future that, you know, I don't want to get too deep into that because that's some stuff that's really, uh, I haven't seen anybody talking about it. So I don't want to put it out there on a podcast right now. Sure. Um, but, uh, but we do have some visions for years uh, four, five, six, and seven for our product um, where we want to get into a brand new space uh, for law enforcement. Um, and you and I, I mean, I'll talk to you about it offline, but, um, and I think you're going to love it. Uh, it's something I haven't even told you yet, but we can talk about it. Um, and I, and the way we're going to be leveraging other tools is we're actually going to be doing it for the sense of connecting people based on the similar information that they're sharing in our product. Um, so to improve and enhance even um, collaboration and information sharing. Now, there's actually a really good story that can help people understand the problem set better. Uh, and, I'll, and I'd love to share it actually, because who knows, maybe somebody else gets into the space, becomes a new competitor, and they're just like, you know, driving up my business, we can drive up their business, whatever. So um, here's the story, everybody knows it. 2001, 9-11 happens. Um, you know, why did that happen? Uh, and actually, after they did um, investigations, they found out that, you know what, we did know that it was going to happen. We had an idea, but and the people that knew it was going to happen tried sharing the information and getting a hold of the right people to tell, and they just weren't able to get to them in time. How long, so, how long did they know and how, uh, and who, who was it that knew? I don't know that. I don't think anybody will ever know that. But um, you know, internally they probably know. But I'm saying, like the to the public, we'll probably never know. Um, but the the length of time, I'm pretty sure that they knew. I think it was like a year plus that they knew. Wow. Um, but they didn't. So here's what they knew: they knew the terrorists. They knew there was a plan. They knew all that stuff, and then they figured it out. Like I think it was only a couple of days before, um, and they weren't able to get the right people on the line to tell, um, you know, hey, stop these flights, stop the blah blah, look out for these guys, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so I don't remember the full details, but I remember that premise, right? So that's important to know that premise. Um, go check it out though. Super cool to read up on that. And that's actually how fusion centers were founded. What's a fusion center, James? So we all know what Homeland Security is. So Homeland Security was also founded 2004 in response to 9-11. Uh, and then fusion centers were founded um, underneath of that umbrella to unite local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies. So uh, they literally, in the name, fuse. They're trying to fuse together uh, you know, information sharing amongst those partners. So uh, for the sense of like, hey, we need to get things out faster. So Fusion Centers have been doing a pretty good job. Um, there's still a lot of flaws. And when you talk to a police officer, he's gonna let you know, especially like to me, he's gonna let me know like, dude, 
the fusion centers. It's a great concept, but this, but they share too many times more often than not, they're sharing information down to us that we already figured out. Um, so it's still slow. It's still behind. Um, not all the time, uh, which is important, right? Because even when they do share it and there's new information that comes out, you know, there's new insights, which does help people. So they're doing their job. That's, this is not like a bash fest for sure. Um, but it can be better. So what we built up, I like to call it now that you have all that information in your mind, I like to call us a virtual fusion center, right? Like that's at the end of the day, the clear distinction of how we're different from everybody else, right? We're not, I'm not saving the data. Uh, I'm analyzing it. I'm giving it and I'm distributing it. That's it. I don't, I don't want to save it. And the reason why too, the reason I keep saying that um, is because there's a, a rule of law that's set, that is set around record management systems uh, that I just don't want to get into the game of. Um, and, uh, yeah, like you know, ITRA, we do follow, SOC 2, ISO 27, we have, or whatever. Yeah, we have a lot of that stuff, by the way, because of our partners and, sh and stuff that we partnered with. But um, like we have all those compliances that you just mentioned. But, uh, and our DevOps team has, you know, all their background checks are done, everything. So we're able to work with that data. But it's really actually comes down to uh, FOIA and OPRA. So, uh, and we don't want to own the data, right? I want the law enforcement agency to own all of their data. That is actually the only key distinction um, because if they own the data, when we get requested by like a federal agency or a state agency or something or, or a regular citizen or person, which by the way, that matters a lot to me, um, that we can do that. We need to know about FOIA. If I want to request something from a law enforcement agency, like a federal agency or whatever, I should be able to, right? I should have that right. And, you know, the tools that they're using now don't comply with uh, those inf public information laws. Um, but there's also a bunch of other pitfalls, like the back end. You and I talked a little bit about it offline with Slack, right? They have encryption at rest, but you can still search, which means they don't have true encryption. Yeah, at we rest, were texting right? about that. There's something, yeah. uh, they have like enterprise key management. I don't know exactly yep. how it works, but uh, clearly, yeah, there's... Uh, I'm trying to get my head yep. around how the search, you're right, the search feature, how would that work if it's truly encrypted at rest? Unless, uh, yeah, it's not it's not searching at the client side, obviously, unless you have no. cached data. Maybe, maybe yeah, it caches yeah, the data on your device. I don't know. No, nah, think about that, though. That's too much space that it would take up, right? If you're, if you're caching that much data. I mean, you're thinking about how much shit is in your Slack channel yeah. right now. Yeah, we've you know got a I lot. Mean? Like, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't think that is how that would work that way effectively. I mean, we we've talked about that here um, and doing that for now, but what we're doing is something I'm very, very excited about um, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I'm a creative mind. So uh, we came up with something uh, that we originally said, or that our CTO, he originally was like, Oh, I don't know if that's possible. And I was like, dude, anything's possible yeah like i feel if someone yeah. says i don't know if that's possible to you that's just like a challenge accepted <laughs> uh, yep so we actually ended up diving deeper because um a potential another potential uh we got a verbal commitment from a uh a very large agency i can't like say their names or anything like that right now but it's a very large agency that puts us on the map um immediately uh when it when it goes through i'm not gonna say if 
when it goes through um, and we get that vendor form from them, um, you know, it, it gives us the opportunity. But the reason why they said yes to us is because of that vision that we have for how we're going to be handling data. They actually said no to Slack because of that reason right there that we just talked about. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so that's really interesting background. And uh, I, I love the Fusion Center concept. Uh, I have a yeah. like an 80-person company, roughly. Uh, and we have different departments. You know, we have different teams that are doing different things. And, you know, we've got like sales and operations and engineering and, you know, all these different silos. And, uh, you know, even, you know, we're remote. So uh, just like, you know, a law enforcement agency would be remote during the field. And uh, you have to be, even at the size we're at, you have to be really intentional about, uh, you know, getting communication across silos and having people be in the loop and, you know, not too much information. So they're drowning in stuff to read, but just the right yes. amount of information at the right time. And that's really actually a really complicated thing to get right. Yes, very. Which is why uh, at the end of the day, as we push this thing and as it gets better and better and better, uh, we are actually developing, I think, one of the best communication tools uh, in the world. Yeah, cool. Um, let's talk about Refit. Uh, you want to give uh, an cool. overview of what you got going on at Refit, uh, you know, kind of what you do, who you help, how you help them? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, Refit is, uh, we have a... Um, a brand new, genuinely, it's a brand new concept. Uh, it's another one. Um, and uh, we're, I'm a co-founder uh, and Dan is another co-founder. Chris Carr is another co-founder. Um, and then we have uh, a board of uh, board of directors, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, Chris Carr. Uh, not, is it Chris Carr from Ferrotech? No, no, no. Oh, I know another Chris uh, Carr, okay. No, this is a Chris Carr. For, he's a sergeant in the Army Infantry, and he's, he's a really good dude. He's one of my best friends growing up. Um, there's two Chris Carrs floating around out there. Oh, there's probably many and other James Corbett's, <laughs> and, you know, so I- I'm the one and only Brian Danis, so. Of course, of course, yeah. The <laughs> one and only. <laughs> um, I think one day soon it might end up being like, oh, I know Brian Danis. Yeah, he's the one and only. Um, but- but in in uh, Project Refit, you know, that's a that one. It's really close to my heart. Uh, it's around mental health. It's around building community effectively. It's around we we sat back and recognized that you know there's a real there's a real problem. There's a real disconnect um, between the veteran community uh, and uh, just between themselves. Actually, um, not including military yet or first responders, they have a disconnect themselves. Um, they have a uh, they have communities that they can tap into, like VFWs, American Legions, things like that, and that's great. That's great and gravy, all that stuff, but it's a little outdated. Um, and they're not really innovating. Um, and I feel free to say that because I know that they're, uh, at least here where I'm from, they're a little threatened by it. some of the guys who are up top. I just learned a little threatened by it, but I think they're going to have to come around to the fact that, you know, what we're building is really a great outreach tool for them. Um, and so this is what we're doing. We have a mobile app and we have a mobile base. Um, it's all, I consider it the hybrid strategy, um, hybrid being literally like the world that we live in today. Um, you know, both on and offline, 
so the mobile app is really developed and we're developing it to be uh, that check-in tool at the tap of one button. They'll be able to check in on their brothers and their sisters, right? We call that small group. They'll be able to check in on their uh, top five best friends at the tap of the and It's button, like right? voice recording, right? Like you tap the button, you say something, and then it sends the recording out to everybody. It'll, it'll send a push notification originally. Um, and then we actually want to get into voice and then we want to get into video and all that other stuff cool. too, but we need a we need money and we need uh, um, developers and things like that to help us out uh, with Project Refit's Blue Skies app, which is named in honor of Command Sergeant Major Martin Gunny Barreras. Um, and, you know, his story of leadership uh, that Dan brought to the table was like next level because Dan was in combat. He was blown up twice. Um, you know, first one was pretty bad. Uh, and it's his story to tell. So, um, you know, I, I leave it to him. But long story short, Dan, he has PTSD uh tbis um he also has he's very open about his past you know childhood stuff too some traumas from childhood what's tbis um, uh traumatic brain injury okay and uh ptsd is post-traumatic stress disorder uh and so basically what happens is your brain gets jogged around a lot um actually uh, athletes a lot of athletes have tbis as well um and it causes you to have uh, uh, memory loss and loss uh, of thought in the middle of conversations, um, you know, things like that. So, uh, and more, there's a lot more, like you can actually, anxiety can be, you know, ramped up because your brain is injured. Um, so, you know, anxiety is ramped up, uh, um, sleeping patterns are thrown off, um, you know, scenario, you can literally create scenarios in your head and see things. And it's, it's, it's really, it's a bad injury. Um, and, um, I'm happy that more people are waking up to brain injuries, even though you can't see it, your brain exists. Yeah. I was just going to uh, say that it's, uh, I mean, I live in center city, Philadelphia and you see people all the time, uh, like homeless people and just people on the street that, you know, clearly have brain injuries or brain trauma or some sort of a mental condition, mental condition of some sort. Yep. Yeah. And it's, uh, you can't, it's not like they're missing an arm, you know, it's like, you can't see that there's like a physical injury, but, uh, you know, and, and some people don't have such obvious mental conditions, like they're high functioning and they can be more or less in society. Uh, like they can contribute and be, you know, interact, but like, there's still that weight underneath that they have to deal with and struggle with every day. Yes. And, um, and honestly, like, so even, even to that point, there's some guys that their TBI and their PTSD is so bad that they can't, that they can't work. And, you know, they, they can live and, you know, they can, you know, go out to a park or something like that. But sometimes these guys don't even want to do that. Um, and, and, and anyway, that's actually what we're focused on is the people that are isolating themselves. Our whole mission is a combat isolation. Um, so we developed this, uh, mobile base, uh, and this mobile base, if you go to our website, projectrefit.us, and, um, you'll, I think it's like the first thing you'll see is the mobile base, like set up and people walking by it. Um, I took a little drone shot. It's a pretty cool shot. Go check it out. Um, yeah, we'll put the links in the and, show notes. Yeah. And, um, and basically you'll be able to, uh, well, you'll be, you will see that. And we go to concerts, events, uh, like local fairs and sporting events. And, and we just launched this base out uh, like five months ago. And we've already been able to reach over 1,500 people. Wow. Uh, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. 1,500 veterans, first responders, uh, and family. Um, and, and that's like a, a great number. 
uh, especially in the areas that we go to. And we have some people who have told us stories of the dream. I'm so happy that one, one woman shared with me on the side, what she did, um, to get her husband out. So she actually, uh, she saw our mobile base set up at a fire, uh, prevention night, um, in Waterford. I, I don't think I should be saying the actual, cause then he'll, if he listens to this, he'll know it's him. Um, well, he's cool with it. So we're at Waterford and the wife actually saw, um, our base. And, you know, it's it, when you see it, like it looks American, like, you know, it's for, you know, like veterans and police and their family members and stuff like that. I mean, we welcome all people, by the way, uh, to come up to the base and hang out and use it. Uh, but, you know, it's American. So she texted her husband and he was home and he wasn't feeling like coming out and being around the crowds and stuff. I mean, the exact scenario, right? And uh, she's like, I think you should really come check this out and sent a picture of our base. And he got really intrigued. He's like, that seems cool. And he showed up, he came and he talked to us and he started sharing with us story about what the hell he's going through. And he was tearing up a little bit and it was great to see. And we were like, Hey man, listen, next weekend, we're going to be down at Millville Raceway. Cause we're from New Jersey. Uh, we're going to be down at Millville Raceway um, in Millville, New Jersey. And, uh, come, do you want to come with us? Like, do you like race cars and cars? He's like, absolutely. We're like, great. We're going to be camping out there all weekend from Friday until, uh, Sunday morning. We're going home Sunday afternoon. And he's like, great. I'll camp out Saturday. It's like, awesome. So he came out, we watched a Phillies game at night, a uh, Saturday night and at the Millville raceway in the base. And we started talking and, uh, you know, we got him to share, even more. And it's a slow process, you know, of getting guys to really open up and recognize that they need some more help. And, um, like we were able to get another guy recently. Uh, we actually took the base directly to a veteran's house the other day. Um, that process though, is a little bit more intricate and a little bit more, uh, it's not just like, Hey, call up refit and you're going to get the base to show up to your house. Um, you know, we got to make sure that you're okay. You're stable. Um, you know, a doctor or something like that says like, yeah, it's, it, it would be nice for him to have that. You should show up. It's like, okay, cool. Like as long as he's safe and good to go, um, you know, there's no, uh, he's not in a manic mode. Um, you know, he's not in a violent mode. You know, he, he wants us to be there. Okay. Or she, by the way, I keep saying he, but, or she, um, and we'll show up, we'll bring a couple of veterans with us. We'll hang out with that person at their house as a step one to getting them out of their home. Um, and one of our veterans recently, uh, gave us a really great, um, saying, I, I would like to get it printed out actually, and put it on the walls. Um, or maybe just say it amongst ourselves because we sometimes we have children that come into the base. Um, and basically what the what he said was after that mission that we ran where we went to a person's house, uh, he's a U.S. Marine. He came with and he was like, looked around inside the base. He's like, we got to make these walls fucking bleed. And I was like, oh, shit, that is deep. And he's like, yeah, man, these walls bleed. And I was like, that's it, dude, these walls bleed. So, um, you know, that's, that was to me, um, a really eye-opening moment where, you know, we really, we said in the beginning that we want to bring this thing directly to your house, your cardboard box, your concert, your festival, your sporting event, and bring the community around with us. And in a short amount of time, we've been able to accomplish that. And I think that's going to be the new model for outreach that we can spread around the country. And we want each 
base to be and have this grassroots model. We have to have at least 10 to 15, maybe 20 guys that are down, absolutely down to dedicate time to operating this base throughout the week um, and throughout the months and years. Um, to, I mean, it could even be a whole VFW that does it, right? We give them the outreach model. We build this trailer up for them, give them the base, um, this trailer, this mobile base, like built like a lounge, and they get to co conduct this outreach. And the only thing we're going to want at the end of the day is once our mobile app is launched, that they use the apps, that they get guys to sign up on it. Because I promise you, I promise you, as soon as we launch out that app, you're going to see suicide rates dramatically drop off from the date that we actually launch our app. That's my goal. And that's going to happen. You're going to see it's happening. Wow, man. That's a uh, mic drop right there. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. That's I want a few things I want to drop on that. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that, that's really powerful. I mean, I, I love what you're doing. Uh, I think that's the best I've ever heard you describe it, by the way, that, that was the most impactful way I've ever heard you describe refit. I've known about it for, you know, well over a year or two now since, since we've been hanging out. Uh, but that was a very, uh, you know, super uh, detailed and, and just like emotionally impactful way that I've, you know, that I've heard it. Uh, so you've got, you've got this, this base in, in New Jersey, the mobile base. So do you have plans to expand it? Like, is there a national expansion plan or what's the future for refit? So there absolutely is a, uh, a national expansion plan. Um, we're really focused on making this one great. Uh, we actually just put in for uh, a grant to try to get a newer one, a safer one. Um, not that the one that we have now isn't safe. Uh, let me explain myself real quick. We actually built our first one by our own hands, right? Um, so I put in a lot of the walls, the Describe marina. what it looks actually... like too. Uh it's like a trailer it's on a big pickup uh, truck, right? Yeah, it's uh it's a trailer that is it's like a race car trailer that we converted into a literal porch and lounge. So one side of the trailer actually folds out into a porch. Um and uh then the inside has two couches and a TV in it. Uh and then we have uh um, gray walls, gray flooring, um beautiful gray. It's not like gray you know, decrepit and sad. It's gray, like bright and beautiful and, and uh, like designer calming. gray. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful, it's, it's a genuinely beautiful color. Um, and I'm an artist at heart. So uh, everything I do is based on creation. Um, and I think that's what is allowing me to come up with so many really cool and creative concepts. Um, you know, like I, I, you know, blockchain, you know, and I, you and I talked a little bit about that before, but, um, I actually built an app back in the day where you, it's called Voyage V-O-I-J-J or V-O-I-I-J. Um, and it was literally like NFTs, the beginning of NFTs back in like 2015, 2016. Um, and, you know, I think before you call it like an OG move, I mean, that's emoji shit. But anyway, the, the base is um, literally a, a fold out, literally a porch that folds out from the trailer. We hand built that. It was actually uh, that same Marine that looked around inside the base the other day with me. He was like, I'm saying that we make, we got to make these walls bleed. These walls bleed. Um, he built that trailer door. Like I, I helped him out, but he, he really did a lot of it because I, I can't weld. Um, so, you know, we built this thing by our own hands. So, um, you know, it's a real, 
it, it's really a, um, what is that called, man? A uh, prototype, uh, proof of concept. So it genuinely is a proof of concept that uh, now we're trying to take it to the next level where you get a, an official, what's called a stage trailer. Um, and stage trailers exist. Like the, the sides of them fold out. Like you press a button you, instead of like having a couple dudes put down the stage trailer and it, like letting the legs come down and shit like we're so manual right now and like it's cool and it is safe like it holds up to 15 it could actually hold up to 20 to twenty five thousand pounds the, the door itself like that stage trailer door um but the well the porch i should say the, the porch can hold like people standing on it you're never gonna have that many people on that thing does it can't even it's too much um but you know, we made it as safe as we possibly could. We have legs that we put underneath the trailer too that do automatically extend their RV legs that go down and hold the trailer up like they hit the ground and level it out and then holds the trailer up, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, and but we're we're really looking to to show the world uh, where the kids can come on and then there's a, a railing around the porch. That's the one thing that like really scares me a little bit is like little kids. Um, so I'd like to convert the trailer that we have now, the one that we built by our hands, into the um, the pure retreat trailer. So we also host. So we have three things: base, app, retreats. Um, so I really want to turn that one into the retreat trailer, the one that we have now, um, so that we can bring that thing cross country and, you know, set up in Colorado with one of our partners out there, Stillwater Ranch. And we just got another guy that donated, uh, he's going to donate his, um, house on the river up in New Hampshire for many retreats. So we have like six guys that we can take up there, um, and hang out in his house and, uh, uh over a weekend and, you know, use it to our, you know, just let him know what weekend we want to use it and he'll let us use it. So it's pretty cool. It's awesome. Yeah. I love, uh, I love what you're doing there. Such, such a cool thing. So, uh, let's change gears. I, I, I you know, we talked, we talked a lot about impact, talked a lot about, uh, refit. Uh, what's, uh, what, what's been like your growth strategy? How do you, how do you grow awareness for refit? How do you, you know, what's your sales strategy for impact? How are you going to market? Uh, what's been your, uh, your approach and your strategy on those things? So, um, when it comes to refit, uh, that's been very much, you know, we, we talked about that internally where it's, it's supposed to be grassroots. So what I did is I think networking has been crucial for refit. Um, our online marketing was really good um, until we, we were reaching 1 million plus people per month. Have you guys ever thought about tracking uh, K factor? Do you know what that is? Tell me about that. So it's like it's a uh, you know like SaaS companies use, use it a lot. Uh, it's a viral. It's how you measure virality. So uh, a K factor of one means for every person that you bring into your ecosystem, they were they bring one person with them. So you have a two K factor for every person that comes in. They bring two people with them. Two is like a two K factor is insane. It's like you know. Facebook or Instagram when it was launching in the early days, you know, like 2k factor. Uh, I bet you guys have a really high K factor. I, I would imagine that we do because we have people, we no joke every week, there's brand new people subscribing to our website. There's brand new people reaching out. Like, you know, just, I have people that came up to me. I was sitting in a Starbucks with a veteran the other day and a woman just walked up, tapped me on the shoulders, like you, James Corbett. And I was like, yeah, what's up? And she's like, thank you. That's all I want to say. 
And I was like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> You're like a celeb, <laughs> like, man. <laughs> like it was it. Well, I, I mean that in a, I mean that in a sense of like it's cool that people are hearing about us. You know what I mean? Um, that just gave me chills. That's like a nightmare. I don't. I don't want to be that. <laughs> um, I actually sounds funny. I said in the beginning of this whole celebrity like, thing gave you chills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like that. You don't want to be a celebrity. Um, I, I hear you. Yeah, like uh, you're more yeah, like yeah. you're like a behind the scenes, like make it happen kind of guy. I would love to be more of that. Yeah. Um. I. I, I know that I have the personality if I want it, but I'm I, at the heart. I'm very much a, uh, an introvert, believe it or not. Like I, I you know, I'd, I'd rather have one-on-one -on -one conversations all day than be in a room full of a ton of people. And I just, ah, so much. Um, but, uh, if it's a good concert, I'm down for that, <laughs> but, um, you know that, um, so, uh, but yeah, I, it, it, that was cool because it's like, okay, that's just another person. I never knew that, I, you know, we, we changed our life, but that person came up and said, thank you. And then walked away. Like we, we helped them. We changed their life. You know what I mean? Our message is reaching people that I, I can't even measure. So, um, so I think you're right. Uh, and, um, there's a question that you asked that we, we got away from for a second. Well, oh, it was like the sales, I got it. I got the it. growth. I got it. Yeah. Yep. Growth. So, so for, for refit from 2019 or 2018 ish to 2020, I should say, because 2019 is when I looked at the data. So 2018 to 2020, um, uh, we were reaching over a million people per month averaging. Um, I know that in 2019, the data said that we reached about 35 million people. How do you like, what's, um, how do you measure that? Like, where are you reaching them? Facebook? That was Facebook. It's on Facebook. Okay. So all like um, Facebook so groups or like impressions on posts or impressions. It was impressions. Okay. Um, which is like absurd. Right. And we had no idea that we were doing that. Um, th there's actually, it's a pretty cool story, um, that I can tell in a second, but, uh, we almost actually closed refit um and like completely down forever uh and it was because we didn't think we were like reaching people and i was stressed out of my mind i had uh an ex-girlfriend that was like living a double life kind of thing and you know behind my back and like i was super i'm, a, I'm 185 pounds solid dude like i'm i'm not like some little guy you know um and i was 140 pounds at the time 140 145 pounds um i was literally so stressed out i was dying i was killing myself by not eating and it was insane. Um, and I hit up Dan and I was like, Dan, like, dude, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Can you take the reins? And Dan, and he said this in a very, like, uh, very real way, not being a dick at all. He's like, fuck, no, no way. Not what? No, I'm not. I can't do that. And he's saying that for multiple reasons. One, you know, he just got out of the military, right? He doesn't know how to run a business. He he's all, he's got PTSD, TBI, like he's stressed out already. You know, why am I going to add this to my plate too? Right. Cause and, and, and that's, and that's okay. That's very real. That's a great boundary. Like that's great communication. Um, and, uh, so I look, I was like, fuck, I was like, let me go look at this thing and see what we got here. And I saw that we reached like 35 million people. And I was like, holy crap, like literally reach and impressions. Like, I was like, this is insanity. I was like, we're, we're doing something that's people are sharing and it's resonating with them. Uh, it's, we got to keep going. So, um, basically I bucked up and I shut up and I, and I was like, Hey, we're, we're going to keep going. Um, and I'm really grateful that that happened because it allowed me to just like, it motivated me to look in a little bit deeper. Um, and the way we did that was through organic reach. And by saying, I guess, things that people just needed to hear, um, 
and, and writing statuses and things that people wanted to know about. And then that's when we started getting into more into the realm of uh, launching our programs. And you weren't buying and, ads or like boosting posts or anything. You're just straight no. up like 100% legit organic Facebook. We spent the most money we spent in marketing was probably like 500 bucks. Wow. In in the since 2017. Um, I'm talking about online marketing, by the way, not Man, like good on you guys. You clearly uh, tapped tap the pulse of something that's, uh, or, you know, tapped the the vein of something that's like really big and, you know, huge need. And when you build something that nobody's ever heard of before and the strategy and by which we're doing it, I think that's why people are intrigued. They're like, what's going on over there? Like genuinely intrigued, right? We just had um, a multi-billion dollar company reach out to us the other day, um, you know, asking us about what we're doing. They invited us out to go tailgating with them at the Army-Navy game. Um, and the people that were possibly going to meet the Army-Navy game are like next level. What's their like, interest talking, in refit? Like, is it to be a sponsor or to help the mission or something? Or I don't know yet. I have no idea. Cool. We'll see. Um, kind of just get curious and go down that rabbit hole, have a great time, meet some cool people and see what happens. Yeah, clearly they're um, seeing something that they like. If they're calling you up and inviting you out for something in person, that's, you know, that's awesome. Huge man. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it really comes down to, I think the stories that guys are sharing all around and they might've caught wind of it and they saw some of the stuff that we're doing. Um, they see that we're every Monday and Friday, we have zoom calls. Um, the Monday ones are live streamed. Friday ones are private. Uh, I kind of, I actually, to be, to be honest, I think that those zoom calls, they're important. Um, we need to figure out a way to improve them. Um, but that's not, our missions, the mobile app and the mobile base, that's, those are, those are our missions and the retreats. The retreats are also incredibly powerful. Um, but you know, that's where a lot of our money goes towards right now is, you know, the mobile base, uh, and the retreats. And we eventually want to get the right people involved for the mobile app as well. Um, and that's kind of like our, our realm. So, um, Nice. Uh, so for marketing, it, it really comes down to, and I really want to tap on this, networking is massive. So I'm talking about in-person networking, going to events, shaking hands, kissing babies, telling stories, right? Like that's, that's what it's all about. Like that is where massive growth, I think in terms of the financial side comes from on the side of like a social growth, social media is where it's at, right? Social media isn't necessarily going to get us the dollars in the sense that you need and that you can only get from like a, that I believe that you can only get from like an in-person kind of interaction. Um, but the, the social media gives you credibility as well. You guys doing TikTok so, at all? I hate TikTok with a passion <laughs> for come. multiple, for multiple reasons. Um, uh, I posted about it the other day. I saw actually another guy. I was, it was really cool to see another like a leader in the business community saying this too. Um, at Mac McLeod, he posted a status about it. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's a Philly guy. He uh, started up a Carvatize. So basically, you know, uh, he'll put car advertisements on, or yeah, advertisements on your car. Uh, and he gets paid by the companies to get as many of those out as possible. And then he pays monthly for that and he gets a bunch of ads based on those. But anyway, he's talking about, um, something that's very real where, um, the Chinese, uh, and I'm talking about the government, the Chinese government, um, have a strategy very clearly laid out. Uh, it's a 2049 plan where they control the world's data and then they can influence people, um, you know, 
there's 80 something million people, I think, in the United States alone that are using TikTok right now and all of them. So they get to control what these people see. So is there middle ground content? Okay, we're going to hide the middle ground content as much as possible. And we're going to share only and distribute and push out only the divisive content. They're literally pushing out whatever they want to us right now. And that's real. That's real. That happens. It's been happening. It's it's fucking It's so shown. addictive though, man. Like that's, I, I don't really use it, but everyone- That's also a problem, yeah. dude. That's actually a part of the problem, right? It's so addictive that people are using it so often and they take, I've heard people come up to me and tell me medical facts uh, and I put up just for people who are listening, I put up quotations and sarcastically saying this medical facts from a TikTok, you know, influencer who says like, oh, uh, you want to avoid cancer? Eat acai berries. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, what are you what are you actually talking about? Like, I, I get it. Nutrition matters. But like, that's not how you avoid cancer. It's it's, you know, go talk to a doctor. I heard dude. someone like, describe it. Uh, one of my friends I was hanging out with a couple of weeks ago and he goes lazy. Uh, he goes like, all right. So it's like you're at the party and uh, someone pulls you back into a back room and it's like they're back there like smoking weed and, you know, they have a bong and that's Twitter. <laughs> And then there's like another back room that they take you back into. And they're like, they're back there like sniffing lines and like, you know, got like razor blades and mirrors. And that's TikTok back there. <laughs> that, that is some real shit because TikTok has the same effect on your brain as like cocaine and some other hard drugs. That's actually a really great analogy. Um, you know, especially if you use it too much that way. So um, I, I have a, I don't use it. I don't. And I do. We have refit on there. I create a video on it and I peace out of that app right away. Right. I have my own struggles with maybe using Instagram too much sometimes. Right. Like I, I, you know, it's, it's in, in, it's something in my brain that I feel like is wrong. And also back to the cybersecurity thing about TikTok, they now own how much data uh, of Americans and Americans' data and their patterns of thinking, like, come on, man, they are exploiting. They're exploiting the entire world right now, and we need to wake up. Yeah. So it's interesting. It, like, I I don't know how I feel about it because it is. It's literally right now. It's by far the most effective social media platform to quickly get content out if you're a brand. And like the cost, it you know the cost of ads on TikTok right now is like YouTube and. 2010 or 2012 it's like so cheap to run ads things go incredibly viral tons of people are using it you know they're using it way longer way more hours than they're using facebook or instagram or twitter and uh so from like a brand standpoint or from like a, a platform standpoint if you're trying to you know get viral if you're trying to get that k factor up like tiktok's the way to do it but uh I do agree. They There's a lot push. of concerns with it. You know, mental health to me is the biggest one that stands out. I think, you know, obviously Facebook paved the way for, uh, you know, getting addicted to social media, but uh, I think uh, TikTok's taking it to a new level. I think TikTok did it because in the way that they're doing it, because they did their research and they knew how to get people addicted to their app. And um, I think it's very much on purpose. And, um, you know, go look up the 2049 plan. It's not made up. That's real shit. Uh, go educate yourself on that because enemies are real. If there's one thing that I've learned from military personnel, um, which it, this is also 
something that I'm very grateful for. If there's one thing I learned from military personnel, uh, it's that war and death is very real and that there's really, really evil people that exist. Um, and in the United States, we don't get exposed to that. Um, so we think everything's honky dory all the fucking time and it's not, um, there's people that really want the United States to die and they really don't like you. They really don't like you because you're an American. They think you're spoiled. Um, and in some regards, I think they're right. I am spoiled. Um, you know, and you know, and you are and, and, and your wife and my girlfriend and, uh, you know, my friends and, you know, the people that we know we are, we're fucking spoiled. And until the day that we recognize that, that fact uh, and we begin to really wake up to the fact that there's really evil shit happening. Cause I'll, I'll give you something too, man. Another thing that really woke me up and it actually became my personal impact that I want to make, um, you know, with impact, I, every person that joins a company, I'm going to have them write out two pages of an essay, uh, and single spaced that says the impact that they want to make in the company, um, with our product and how they want to see it push. So um, have you done that? I already yeah. with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep, oh. absolutely. Um, and uh, the impact I want to make personally is there's something that's really evil that's happening in our world: uh, child sex slavery and child sex trafficking. Um, and I would love to help out the teams of men uh, and women who are combating that and saving children's lives. And that's, that's the impact I want to make. Uh, they need better information sharing tools, they need better communication tools, and my tool is better. Um, and I want them to be able to use it safely and securely because there's also, um, you know, uh, organizations that have the wealth to attack organizations like mine, to shut it down, to, you know, um, harm it for whatever length of time so that they can conduct their um, incredibly evil enterprises. Uh, so to me, that's the impact I want to make. Um, and I want to support those people because, I mean, I just talked to a guy, it was actually the same person I talked to this week that gave me the example of the 11 people he has to call. I talked about it earlier in the podcast. Um, he literally, he was a C sharp developer, um, in his past life. And he decided to come into law enforcement um, to combat child sex slavery and child pornography and distribution of it and such. And I wonder where he got that idea from, uh, being a C-sharp developer on the internet and being on the internet in general. He probably found some shit. I didn't ask him. I'm making an assumption. I could be wrong, but he probably found some shit, got super um, passionate about it and was like, fuck this. This is horrible. And then joined law enforcement agency to fight it. And there's a few people like was that that I know. specialized agency that was like a task force for that specifically, or was it general law enforcement? It it is that he's a part of the task force that's uh you know you know fighting that, and there are task forces yeah. that do that. Um, and there's actually international partners and um even uh, nonprofits in the United States that are doing that. Like there's special forces guys that I know of right now that started a few nonprofits. You with literally, Rain? huh? You familiar with Rain? I'm not familiar with Rain. I'm familiar with Thorn and uh, a few others, though. Yeah, Rain. Rain is all about that. Um, a great organization. Yeah. So, like, even like those, like uh, that's an organization I would want to one day be on my app as a community partner. Um, they wouldn't have the same, you know, obviously, um, um, role. Uh, what is the? Oh my goodness, I can't even think of the words right now. Um. 
they wouldn't have the same permissions. That's the word. They wouldn't have the same permissions as like, say a police officer or, you know, somebody like that or security position, but they'll be able to at least communicate and collaborate with uh, the agencies that they're working with directly. So and this is for information um, sharing so that, you know, like mm -hmm. the nonprofit sector dealing with the stuff on the front lines and then the police officers and task forces dealing with the stuff on the front lines can, uh, you know, basically get information across silos more quickly. So the yep. thing that you described earlier with the, you know, knowing about this horrific event two days before and not being able to prevent it, uh, that, that sort of situation doesn't happen. Exactly correct. And in fact, maybe even prevent some stuff faster because, you have people literally on the front line right now. I was about to mention um, uh, a, a nonprofit. It was founded by a few special forces guys. They're in Africa and um, uh, I forget the other country that they're in, but they're literally, you know, out there fighting on boots on ground, you know, in the streets, showing people pictures of children. Like, have you seen this kid? And they go and they find, you know, these children and save their lives. And they work with international partners and they can share the information they gather, they can share with, you know, law enforcement partners and they can share with international partners. Like that's, dude, we need a safe environment to do that in. Right. We need the the good guys need better tools because the bad guys are using they don't give a shit. They'll use consumer based applications that can blow, you know, the communication methods that they're using out of the water. And they are and they're doing it successfully. So I'm trying to catch up the good guys uh, on our end and then blow them away with the with the uh, with the tactical, you know, AI functionality that we're putting into our uh, our platform. Right. Like that alone takes us to a whole new stratosphere. And, and then some of the stuff that we're looking to do within it. Again, I'm not going to send them a podcast um, that, you know, I can talk to you about if you want. Um, well, once you but, uh, once you roll it out, and it's public. We'll uh, we'll have you on again and you can. Yeah. talk about it on the next show. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. But um, yeah, man, there's there's a lot of moving parts right now um, in my life. And I'm actually right now, um, Impact is taking a much bigger role in my life right now. Um, you know, raising money. We're actually at the beginning stages raising money. We raised our first, uh, we had our first angel investor come in, um, pre-seed uh, angel investor. Uh, you know, she's awesome. Her name's Suzanne. She actually just started her own little investment fund. That was her first investment. Um, and he told you know, me about she, her. She said, sounds awesome too. She's so great. Um, very nice woman. Uh, you know, military background in the sense that she was a spouse. Um, you know, and for years until her husband passed away due to cancer uh, from uh, the burn pits and things like that. So. Um, which is a huge problem. Thankfully, that new law just got passed to help out veterans with uh, you know, burn pit injuries. But yeah, long story short, man, we're we're making a lot of progress looking for investors now and um, you know, about to close our first major uh, you know, pilot test uh, again with you know, a huge agency. Um, and then a, a new one this week, you know, coming yeah, in. You told me about but I won't agency. say the names, but those are definitely yeah, yeah, yeah for the yeah. listeners, they're big time, uh, big time deals you're working right now. They're they're yes. uh, names everybody knows. That's right. That's right. Literally on the whole world. <laughs> um, so hopefully it'll work out and uh we blow them away and they really love working with us at least, and they like our customer service that we provide and um you know, we stick together and stick through it. So that's it. That's awesome. Uh, so that's a seed round you're raising now. What's that? You're officially doing your seed round now? 
So we're going to, once I get the, uh, the form, the vendor form filled out, uh, yes, it'll be officially the seed round, but, um, I'm still in the, I think it's the last weeks of the, um, the safe round where, you know, if you come in now, uh, you'll be able to get a discount on the actual, uh, equity, uh, when we, when we hit a true, uh, funding round, uh, where we have evaluation and everything like that. So, um, you know, we're looking at a 15% discount right now. We are open to negotiating, uh, some other things, uh, around that. Um, like if you're able to pull in more investors with us, we might give you, a, we'll increase the you know, discount rate for your shares. Um, but yeah, so that's Do you have it. partners or is it just you? No, I have partners. Uh, Mark Snyderman, uh, Will Long, uh, Audent, uh, Vanderveen, um, uh, Ryan Marlowe, Chief, retired Chief, Billy Craig. Uh, he's the man. All Billy equity Craig, partners? Um, so yeah, they're, they have a small stake. Um, there are advisors that gave me the, you know, look at my law enforcement team, uh, Mark and Audent are the two and will are the three larger, um, equity partners. And they're hands on um, in the business. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, but and you're, the you're advisors, like the founder and majority, right? Yes. Cool. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, that's yep. awesome. Uh, I, I love the business, man. I'm really excited to see it take off. Uh, I, I every time I talk to you, you just blow my mind with what you're doing. It's, you know what, man, it's just around, I'm actually taking the advice a long time ago. Elon Musk said, build companies that help people in society. Yeah. Some shit like that. Well, he's and a controversial just, name these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Did you see the so, movie pulled? He walked in with a kitchen, he walked in with a sink in his hand, like a bathroom sink. And he, and he yeah. posts on Twitter, he said, walking into Twitter HQ, let that sink in. Yeah. And also the way he, he fired a Twitter employee, um, with how their HR is doing it with like memes and shit. Um, but I'll tell you what, man, when, when a company ends up, it's been proven over and over and over again, that they were seriously silencing people, um, you know, wrongfully, uh, you know, I, I personally have been a victim of that. Um, you know, being from Project Refit, even though we're very not political, the fact that we're uh, helping veterans and it seems right wing. Um, I was actually going to share this earlier. We were reaching 1 million people per month through Facebook alone. Then out of nowhere, I have the proof out of nowhere. Uh, we're going from 1 million one month down to 15,000 to 7,000 uh, the next. It made no sense. So um, you know, something happened back in like 2020 timeframe. Um, and it's starting to get leaked out more and more that there are people behind the scenes that are, uh, controlling the data and their employees. And they have like this, um, sense of, I can, I know what's best for the world. Uh, and it goes right back to what I was saying before that, you know, we're very spoiled and, um, you know, not grateful enough, I think overall as a country and it could become our downfall if we don't wake up. So yeah, I mean, on a different episode right had. here, uh, I talked about Rome and uh, obviously, you know, it grew, it rose and fall over hundreds of years, uh, thousands, actually thousands, but I mean like the decline was, you know, hundreds of years. Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I I, I was in Rome uh, last year, and uh, I like had hired a history guide to like t take me around, and uh, 
I, I learned the Colosseum, it's all stripped. Uh, and, it, you know, you think it just decayed over time. But actually what happened was uh, Rome kind of fell to its rock bottom. And I don't remember the years, uh, maybe like 1500s or something. I don't, I don't know exactly when, but uh, it fell to its rock bottom. And then like 50 or 100 years later, uh, a bunch of like rich people started moving in and building these massive like colossal houses. And they just literally, you know, sent their workers right over to the Coliseum and just said, yeah, go grab some marble and bring it back over here to build, build the house. And uh, so that's, you know, Rome has seen so many phases, uh, even like, you know, at one point the rivers were, were flooding and, you know, burying houses in dirt and soot. And uh, so they are constantly digging like a house, you know, a building will a 500 year old building gets demolished and then they find a thousand year old building underneath of it. And then they demolish that. And then there's like a 2000 year old building covered in mud underneath that. Amazing, and, uh, isn't it? Yeah. It's just mind blowing the history. And, uh, you know, it's like anything, I mean, you know, the U S is definitely the largest economic superpower in the world. And, uh, you know, things just are never forever. There's always changes. Things are always changing and, and that too will change at some, some time. Yeah. I think we need to fight for it. And I think we need to really, um, wake up as a country and we are, I don't give a shit what anybody says. Uh, we are the greatest country that has ever existed. Um, we are the first country, uh, in human history that was not run by a dictator, uh, genuinely. And, uh, that to me is fucking wild. So, um, you know, I just, I love this country. I love trying to help the people that kept it safe. Uh, and I love trying to, uh, play my part in making it safe and safer and then helping even, you know, across seas with, uh, children who are, you know, don't have the same opportunities that very obviously we do, um, and have been captured into this incredibly dark and evil place that is known as child sex slavery. So, yeah, it's, um, it's that, yeah. that part is really like the child sex slavery is insane to me. Like to think about that, uh, going back to the thing you said before though, uh, yeah, like I, I, I am definitely, I, I love the United States. I think it's a really great country and, uh, you know, there's a lot of like super great, you know, things available here, you know, there's a reason why, uh, a large majority of technology innovation starts here, you know, for the large majority of global fortune 500 companies are based here. It's because of the, you know, the, the, uh, stability, st economic stability, you know, like the standard, uh, kind of like the standards for innovation. I, I think, you know, there's just a lot of, uh, you know, uh, opportunities provided for being, um I got to give you something real quick. I think I think that we're overlooking something very important. When I say stability, I didn't mean economic stability. And let me let me actually give you uh, and all the listeners because I know we're probably coming up on our time because I know you're you try to keep your podcast. No, we're good. We can keep going. We got we got you know fifteen more minutes, whatever it takes. Let's talk all it right, out. Cool. <laughs> so there, when I when I say stability, there's actually a part of um, that statement that is actually around the society stability, which is how the people are acting, right? And if there's like an uproar, if there's a genocide or if there's war. Yeah, physical you know, safety, like exactly. Because so you know, if, you're, if you're in a war zone, you're not gonna be like worrying about how to innovate, you know, some 
B2B SaaS business, you know? Yeah, exactly. You're worried about exactly. like keeping your family alive and where you're going to get food. Or if there was, or if there was a major terrorist event or something like that. Yeah. Right. So, um, so here's the thing. So um, in the United States, uh, one of the major reasons why I, so safety and mental health are the two things I'm really focused on. Right. Cause I think that they kind of relate to each other. They definitely, I should say, relate to each other. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, well, no, I'm not. That's stupid. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that with you. I'm just going to tell you. So in the stratosphere, the most powerful part of our, or the strongest, um, uh, um, oh, I can't even think of the name, but the strongest part of our stratosphere, there's actually color to it. It's also the thinnest layer in our stratosphere, protecting us from like the onslaught of the, the sun. atmosphere that you're talking um, about. The atmosphere, yeah. Um, and there's actually a part of the atmosphere, thank you, uh, part of the atmosphere that um, it's the strongest part and the color of it, it's the thinnest part, the color of it's blue. Uh, and I'm like, shit, that's wild. Like Which the thin blue it? line kind of thing. I Again, I forget the, the ozone name of it. Or Forget the name of it. Okay. Uh, I just remember watching a National Geographic show and it came up and it showed it and it's color blue. I'm Googling and it right now. Hit it, hit it, hit it. Um, and um, and it protects us from like solar flares and things like that. Uh, and to me, I'm like, shit, that's what's actually protecting our society. It's such a fickle thing that we don't realize. And it only when law enforcement agencies were launched back in 1829, that's when you really started to see the modern day society only a few years later start to start to crop up, right? So it's amazing to see how law enforcement has actually played such a huge part in the massive growth of uh, the economy of itself, the world economy itself. And I don't think we recognize that enough. Yeah, I, I definitely hear you on that. It's uh, and I can't find it just says atmosphere. I'm looking why why the why the sky is blue. And it just talks about how no, light it's not. It's it's actually not why the sky is blue. Uh, um, <laughs> because God loves the infantry. That's actually uh, why is the sky blue? Because God loves the infantry. That's one of the reasons why in Prodigy Fit this teal blue line right here is blue. It's also for mental health. Hang on, I'll look. I'll look it up. Yeah, I'm looking at it here. I don't see any. Uh... It's it's blue. Uh, it's it's a uh, blue under. Um, uh, I forget what the camera. Um... It has to do with the way light refract refracts through the atmosphere. No, we're we're not. I'm not talking about why the sky is blue. It's a part. It's it's actually a layer of the atmosphere, um, and under a certain, I forget the name of the man. I'm doing I'm doing poorly right now. Um, it's it's the the camera that sees different colors. I didn't, I mean, I didn't prep you to uh, to do you know geography or whatever this is. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, troposphere, uh, mesosphere. It looks like it. It looks like they're talking about. Uh, oh, there's so many here. Yeah, homosphere, heterosphere, thermosphere, exosphere. There's a lot of spheres here. I don't know which one it is. Ionosphere. Anyway, let's get back to the main topic here. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, the, this concept. I, I get. I get what you're saying. I, I think the United States is a great, great country. There's uh, a lot of opportunities to build uh, innovation here because, like you mentioned, physical safety, uh, economics, uh, and, and I think the U.S. is like an economic superpower in many ways. Like, you know, I think the U.S. meddles in a lot of 
other countries and does, you know, does a lot of stuff, you know, throughout, throughout the whole globe. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, so I, there's, you know, I, I, I'm like a world traveler. I know people all over the world, all different countries, some countries that would be considered third world countries. I know people in all over Europe and talk with people all the time. And, uh, I think there's, uh, you know, there's like, people at the end of the day that you know people here like me and you in the united states are so similar like there's not there, there's way less separating us than there is uh bringing us together like people all over the world and uh you know and then there's like politics there's like politics there's militaries there's like the economic superpowers and that's where a lot of like i think the shit happens but, uh, you know, as far as like people at the end of the day go, uh, everybody's more similar than they are different. Right. I agree with you 100%. 100%. By the way, it is the ozone layer. Ozone layer. There you go. <laughs> it is the ozone layer. I didn't think it was because that's so simple, but it is so the ozone obvious. Layer. Yeah. It's so obvious. Um, that's why we got to stop it, driving cars and spraying aerosol cans, man. We need the sky to stay blue. Yeah. Well, no, that's again, it's not, I'm not talking about us looking with our eyes and it's blue. I'm talking about underneath of a, a through a, so I forget what the name of the, the lens of the camera is, but underneath of a certain camera, there's different layers and colors um, that you can actually see uh, when um, they're studying uh, when they, uh, when scientists are studying, you know, the, the atmosphere, uh, they actually see different layers and colors through, and I forget the name of the camera, but anyway, it's blue. And it's the thinnest layer and it's the strongest layer. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, cool. So you're world traveler, you're seeing people, hit it again. <laughs> that's it, man. Or is, mean, that, is that it? That's you it. Just you know, I, just, I think it. the yeah. world is, uh, I think the world is full of people that are more similar than we're different. And, uh, you know, like I have friends in all over Europe, uh, I have friends in the Middle East, uh, in South Asia, uh, South America, uh, obviously all over, you know, the U S and Canada. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, we're more similar than we are different. I think totally, totally agree with culture that to culture. I can't even, I, I can't even stop. You know what? That's the thing that differs us is this culture, everything else. It seems like it's very similar. I mean, like you see that throughout, you know, even history, like different parts of the world, people are doing like a lot of the same stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's just the tenets and religions are similar. The, uh, the way we, you know, bury people, it, it's similar to, a, to And at the end of the day, like, I think 99.9% .9 of people out there just want to like do well by their family, do well by their neighbors and just like do good in the world, you know, no matter where you are, whether you come from, you know, let's say, uh, Somalia you know, or you come from the United States. I think most people just want to do good. There's like evil people in Somalia. There's, you know, the pirates that go and rob ships and cargo ships around that part of Africa. Uh, and then there's, um, you know, and there's plenty of bad people in the United States. Like anywhere you go, there's going to be bad people. And, that's right. uh, you know, there's like, and that's like the 0.1%, I think, like the evil people that, you know, they're just, they're just so evil. Uh, you know, there's obviously sort of evil people. And then there's like extremely evil people. And, uh, and there's just like that small percentage of evil people out there that are just causing so much harm in the world. But I think just so general, the general citizen, whether you're citizen of the United States or any other country, I think the general citizen of the world is just, you know, a good, you know, a good hardworking person that wants to, you know, contribute 
take care of their family and do well. I agree. I think most people are good. I genuinely agree. Um, even, even like, even when you look at, you know, people from different sides in, in America on the political spectrum, everything's based in that empathy of like, you know, they think they're doing the right, like, oh my God, we could go forever on well, that. Well, that goes back right? to politics, man. I think politics is so jacked up. I think there's, you know, it's so weird right now. Yeah, it's so it's, jacked up, man. It's like, it's almost like, it's almost like somebody is purposely allowing disinformation to be spread and like divisive information <laughs> to just run rampant in our country it's wild right i like how you slipped that one in there <laughs> hey because it's real dude let me explain something to you real quick and to the rest of the audience again i didn't serve i'm not a veteran i've talked to so many i've had the privilege of talking to some of like the most badass dudes i mean if you think you're badass you're fucking not right i know badasses um and like there's guys who worked in what's called psyops. Do you know what that is? No. Psyops. It's real. It's where the United States has a special forces unit that their number one job is to go in and influence other societies. You think for one second that other countries aren't trying to influence our thinking. Dude, it's like it's literally every single crazy for that. You know, like tactical warfare and you know like dropping bombs and putting people on lines and shooting guns at each other like i think those days are you know it's, it happens a little bit but it's like those days are over it's all about psychological Another. warfare information warfare you know attacking infrastructure systems through cyber attacks i mean that's the Here's future the of warfare i think that the I don't agree with you to a degree. I think that um, there's always going to be a door being kicked down and you're going to shoot some people in the face. That's going to happen a lot. Um, like really targeted though. It's not like you're going to go drop like bombs and blow up cities and stuff. I hope not, but let's be real for a second. We both don't know that. Sure. Okay. We, sure. We don't yeah. know that it's happening literally right now. As yeah. We yeah. You're right. It's happening in Ukraine. And, yeah. And the thing is, and the thing is, I think you're right about something though. Um, I think that you are right. However, that uh, war is very much mental, but it always has been. That's the only thing I'm going to say to you. It, I want to clarify that it always has been information is king. Well, the, and, and, so I, I learned something interesting not too long ago. Uh, I guess I knew it, but it was explained to me in an interesting way. So like war used to be, you know, back in like the English days, the British days, it was, you know, you line up, you know, in, in a formation in front of each other and just shoot bullets until whoever's side is down first. And, uh, you know, it takes you like 10 minutes to reload your musket. And I think the United States, the reason they won the war against the British Obviously, it was here, so it was on this. You know, it was on the United States turf, so the British had to take ships and got tired and depleted their energy and resources on the way. But also, well, like that was the first time that you know warfare was done, uh, at least in that period of history, where uh, like hiding behind trees, making you know making uh, digging ditches and shooting out of ditches, and you know kind of like the more guerrilla style warfare. Also, we have to be real here too sickness helped us out a lot 
Okay. Guys came over. So uh, when they're coming over from England in droves to come fight us, you know, we were by this point, we were, you know, used to the climate and we were used to the sicknesses that were here and we knew how to fight them. When they came over, they were sick as shit. They were getting sick left and right. The entire military, like there were colds and um, malaria, whatever, you know, was spreading throughout the, the, the um, sicknesses were spreading throughout their military like crazy. Look it up. That shit helped us out a lot. Chemical warfare, if you will, helped us out a lot. In fact, what they how they used to do chemical warfare is if there was a person that was sick, they would rub them down with like uh, like cloth, like towels, and then they would send the towels out and then get them start like the sickness starting to spread throughout their military because they would give these towels that were infected um, out to these guys and then fucking rock them. So we have to seriously think war is. It is the dirtiest of dirty fucking things ever. It is where if you and I, Brian, were fighting and we're doing a gentleman's fight, we're training with each other. I'm not going to grab your your nuts and rip them off. I'm not going to stab my thumb through your eyeball. I'm not going to bite your ears off. I'm not going to do shit that actually people will do to survive, right? Those those things happen in war. That's real, dude. Like that's that's it's dirty, it's nasty, and it's gross and a shit that you have to do. You feel like a monster, which goes right back to refit. I mean, like these guys feel like they're not even human. They don't feel like they're because the things that they had to do in combat sometimes are the hardest. It's actually making me feel very much right now. Um, the nastiest shit ever. And and that's the thing I wish people in the United States really understood is how lucky we are that we don't have to see that, that we don't have to live through that stuff. And, and like, there's guys who are willing to sign up still to go do the nastiest, the most disgusting, vile human shit possible to keep our fucking country safe. And then police, they have to be on the, they're the ones at home allowing you to walk to your business safely, allowing kids to go to school safely. And when you start taking that shit away, like you're seeing in some of these cities, there's kids that are coming out like, dude, where's my cop that used to literally walk with me to school? Where is he? I'm scared as shit, right? Like those are things I think we take really for granted too often. And that is a part of the spoiled brat syndrome that we have in this country, genuinely. Um, and it's really weird for me to sit here and say, man, is it cool that we can be that spoiled? But man, is it so actually shitty that we are? Can be and are are completely different things. So yeah, there's it. like, uh, there's, there's this concept, uh, I forget who did it. Uh, it was in a book I read, but, uh, it was a book about like masculinity and it was saying that, uh, the most masculine men are created in the most difficult times. And, uh, and those are the men that, you know, the people and the men that create the good times and then the good times create the least masculine men. And then that creates more bad times. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, interesting. Uh, get the book. Uh, it was something about, uh, yeah. Anyway, totally escaping me. I think we're on a good no, closing note here. Okay. This, this was a, a hell yeah. of a episode. I enjoyed, uh, yes. enjoyed hearing about your business, your nonprofit. And then that like 20 minutes of sparring debate there at the end. Yeah, that was great. That was great. I, I didn't even think it was too much sparring. I think it was just really good. I I don't think 
you and I spar very often because we so often come to the conclusions of like that that are very similar in a way, you know, like and and not even similar, but just both making good points consistently. And I and I really do appreciate that as well. So sure. um, I look forward to get grabbing that cigar with you. I think it's next week, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's check the calendar. But yeah, I think so. Yeah, we got it. We got it booked. Cool. So uh, all right, all right, man. You have a good rest of your week. Have a good weekend. I'll see you soon. Later, brother. You be good.